Okay, well, I want to give you guys an update of our trip to Indonesia, which is 13 hours ahead of us here. So they had church last night already. So amazing how far away it is from here. But I thought before we get into the slides, and then I do have some thoughts from the Word, I'd like to read from Revelation where it talks about all the different kingdoms coming together one day in uh, eternity with the Father. So I'm going to read Revelation 5, starting in verse 6. And it says this, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb, standing as if slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he came, of course, this is the Lord Jesus, and he took it out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, having each one a harp a gold, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. They sang a new song saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals, for thou wast slain and didst purchase for God with thy blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people and nation, including the Taman tribe. And they and thou hast made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and a number of them with myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, and glory, and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. Four living creatures kept saying, Amen. The elders fell down in worship. Okay, so it's just a good reminder that as we sit here and worship the Lord, he's right here with us. And guys, if we could see him in person and and see him in his glory and his might, I think we would be on our knees saying, wow, Lord, we're not worthy to have you come here to be amongst us. But he is. And one day we will be joining these guys and we're going to be in awe of him. And we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me and saving me. But the neat thing is... um, Lots of tribes have already heard about the Lamb, have already heard about Jesus dying on the cross. This tribe that we worked with for 35 years, uh, they came to the Lord about 1986, started teaching in 19. But there's lots of tribes that have heard and lots more that still need to hear. So we do need to keep praying for laborers to go out to be involved in getting the gospel to all the world. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start. Oh, no, wait, I forgot. I'm not going to use this. I know some people think, uh, okay, tell me again, you're a Christian, right? And you're not going to do anything crazy. Uh, This was a souvenir we brought back. This piece of metal was part of a chainsaw bar. Uh, Friend, yesterday you had that little 14-inch. This is from a 36-inch, a German chainsaw. And when they wear out, they cut it up, and then they hand-pound it out into a machete. And then the um, handle is made out of a deer antler. And it's carved, very intricate carving and stuff. So you're looking at a really a masterpiece. And then add all the uh, beadwork and stuff on it. Our guys don't do the beadwork, but they do uh, make the machetes by hand. And they pound them out with the, the hot anvil and stuff like that. But a friend of ours uh, sold this to us at a cheap price. It was $130. But usually they go three or 400 but I, I say this, 
you know, we brought this home in the States. We put it in our uh, check-in baggage, so it's down underneath. And we rode the plane five times, okay? So no problem bringing this huge machete. You know what was a problem? I got a little three-inch pocket knife, a folding buck pocket knife. I took that on four planes, no problem, from Orlando all the way to Indonesia. My last flight going up to the tribe, they said, oh, by the way, it looks like you got a little pocket knife in your pouch, my hip pouch. You're going to have to put that in with your luggage. First time anybody challenged me on that, a little three-inch pocket knife. But they let this go find the pocket knife they're a little bit uh, weary of. And so anyway, okay, so just open this up. Open right there, and we're good to go. Now, what about you guys being able to see? Suppose I could maybe try to sit on a chair. <clears throat> okay, does that look familiar? How many of you guys have done an in international flight? Been overseas? Okay, yeah. Uh, you know what it's like. Uh, right now, everybody's got to wear a mask in the terminal on the plane. The whole time you're wearing a mask, and you got to wait. You do a lot of waiting uh, when you're traveling. So uh, I had forgotten how busy it is. This is going up to get your your uh, check-in uh, boarding pass, but the place was packed. This was in Orlando, so you got to work your way through little by little and just be patient, and uh, finally you do get on a plane. Okay, I mentioned five flights. This was our last flight. This was about an hour and 15 minutes, and uh, a 70-passenger plane, but we only had 30 people in it. Uh, apparently, plane costs uh, have gone up quite a bit, so the planes, there used to be three flying up into our uh, tribal area, now there's only one three days a week, and uh, it was only half full, so they're losing a lot of business, and it's just getting too expensive to fly. So otherwise, you got to take a 14-hour bus to get up there, and we weren't interested in that. <clears throat> okay, so just again, uh, five flights. Our longest flight was 12 hours from uh, Dallas, Texas to Japan, and then uh, you move around in the plane a lot, so your your feet don't swell. Mine swell anyway, but you still try to move around when you can and just get some exercise. Now, the one thing that did happen, our bags got left in Dallas. We made it all the way to Indonesia, and they said, oh, by the way, your bags didn't make it. I said, you're kidding. So it took six days for our bags to get to the capital and four more days to get up to the tribe where we were at. So anyway, they did finally make it, but it was a little bit uh, concerning because we had 24 25 Kron books in Indonesian that we're going to give to the people over there, but they did finally show up. So first time that's happened, really. Okay, cost was about $4,000 for both of us to fly all the way there. And we praise the Lord. We had uh, two families give us about $2,800, so that was a real blessing. And this machete here is going to one of those families that gave us a good donation. So anyway, I got that for him. <clears throat> Indonesia, as you probably know, is the largest Muslim country in the world. And even up in the, the tribe now, there's a small town about 10 miles from where we live. Uh, they have mosques, and uh, you hear, you're starting to hear the call to prayer five days a week, uh, five times a day. So it, Muslim uh, outreach is just uh, continuing on. Okay, welcome to the fish market. You can go downtown and uh, buy fresh fish, uh, fresh chicken. Uh, it's just a reminder that their uh, health standards aren't the same as ours here. I don't think uh, they let you get away with this uh, downtown uh, Sanford. Um, riding a motorcycle. I hadn't ridden a motorcycle in four years, but just getting back of the swing of things and being careful uh, driving down the little roads and all the other motorcycles you got to go, go around. 
Uh, we do have a vegetable man that would come to our house uh, once a day so the ladies could help themselves to some of the vegetables and things and the souvenirs. Now, uh, two of those bags out of the four were filled with souvenirs. Uh, you can see uh, backpacks and uh, had baseball hats and all kinds of odds and ends. And uh, about 40 people got some of the souvenirs. So that's one reason I was hoping our bags would show up. And they finally did. And the people really appreciated that. But I had to tell them, guys, one per person, one per person. They were wanting to grab it all. Uh, this was another souvenir, shark's teeth. And you say, what are you talking about? And that's what they asked me. What do you do with this stuff? I had a big, huge bag of shark's teeth that I got over on the West Coast in Florida. And I said, well, just stick it under your pillow when you sleep at night, and it'll give you good luck. Just trust me. Well, they didn't buy that one. But anyway, I thought it was interesting, because they collect all kinds of you know, teeth from the wild pigs and things, and the bears they get over there. So I thought, well, maybe they'll be interested in that. Okay, they, they are farmers, mostly rice farmers, but this uh, leaf, it's a special leaf. It's called a kratom. I don't know if you've seen it in some of the smoke uh, places around here. They sell kratom. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, what the advantage is. I think it's kind of a little bit of a sedative. It's not marijuana, but it's got a little bit of a numbing effect. I don't really understand it all, but it is legal to buy it here. Well, they started selling it there, I mean, uh, raising it there about 10 years ago. So this is probably, I don't know, maybe $100 worth of leaves. I'm not sure, but you got to dry it and then you grind it up. And so that's one of the new cash crops that they've started uh, raising over there. Another one, uh, this is actually a birdhouse. Now, that looks like a big birdhouse, right? It's actually five stories high, and all those little holes are places for the birds to fly in, and it's a special swallow. And these swallows make their nests out of the saliva. Somehow they generate enough saliva to make a nest, and that's what people collect, and they sell it to the Chinese. I don't know where the Chinese come up with these ideas, but somehow they... I don't know if it's bird nest soup or what they use that for, but this is expensive stuff. So, honestly, in the last four years since we've been gone, there's probably been 25 or 30 buildings like this within the, the town that where the plane flies into. So it's really becoming popular. Okay, this is one of our three uh, Taman churches. Um, this one here has got about 40 people in it. And uh, I spoke in all three of our churches, but this was a neat, this is a neat group because it's all... Uh, Taman folks, it's not mixed with Indonesian people or other tribal groups, uh, so I can use the language there. The other two churches, uh, the one is a mixture, well, you'll see here in a minute, but this one here is native Taman, so uh, we're glad to be able to visit with these guys and uh, just a fun group. Okay, so this church has about 35 believers. They have three uh, new couples. Two of them got saved in the last year. One is in the process of studying the Quran right now. Uh, I had four meetings with meetings with these guys, and chronological, the chronological teaching. Okay, sorry, no. Uh, that's an abbreviation for the chronological teaching, the Quran. Not the Quran, the Quran. I, I, we call it the Quran. Anyway, um, and Wycliffe is going into this uh, village of Malapi, and they're going to do the Bible translation for our Taman language. So our folks are looking forward to helping out in that. And uh, these guys here, let me go back to that. Okay, uh, let's see. You can see me with my hand in the air, and there's a guy on my left with a gray shirt. He's got his arm up. Well, just down from him in the, in the uh, white kind of long sleeve T-shirt, he's kind of kneeling there. 
I taught that guy when he was about 16 years old back in 1988. Now he's one of the elders in this church. So we're talking probably 35 years ago. Uh, him and his brother and another fella, I taught, and now he's involved in uh, leadership in the church there and teaching every Sunday. So it's a blessing to see what the Lord has done. Here he is here uh, teaching the third couple in the last year, and these guys are close to being done. Okay, usually when, because uh, we have been away for four years, they always have a meal for us when we have uh, church with them and stuff, and so we enjoy the food and things. This is a second church um, with about 70 people in it, but this is mostly from a Punan tribe. This this uh, machete that I showed you is done by the Punan people, and the, a lot of these kids are from that Punan a tribe, which is two days upriver from us, but they come down to our town to go to high school and stuff. So they go to uh, this church here, as well as uh, some of our Taman folks. Okay, so they enjoy uh, Pot Steve, Mr. Steve. I always make things interesting. And you know one thing I do? I remind them that the Lord Jesus is right there with them. And on, on this meeting here, uh, I started to say hi and open in prayer. And I said, oh, look who's here. It's the Lord Jesus. And I walked up there and I said, Lord, we're glad you're here. And I took him by the hand. I walked him up front, sat him down in a chair. Obviously, uh, he wasn't there. But it just gives him the reminder that the person of the Lord Jesus is right there with us. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, this is four of our elders and a couple of guys just visiting. And uh, we enjoyed teaching them a couple of times a week. And uh, one of the things I encourage them with is, uh, one, keep concentrating the blood of Christ. They're getting Jehovah Witnesses up into this area now. And, of course, the Jehovah Witnesses say, well, Jesus wasn't uh, God. He was just an angel. And, and uh, you know, as long as you're faithful and you, you do uh, the things that we tell you about, then you might get to heaven. Not sure. But Eman, the guy in the white shirt there, they came to his house and he said, no way. It's the blood of Christ and Jesus is the son of God. And he showed them some verses. And so those guys left. But uh, just reminding our guys to be clear that it's the blood of Christ. It's not just going to church and, um, you know, just believe. If you believe, then you'll be saved. Believe what? But anyway, stressing the blood of Christ. And then I also encourage them in uh, exhorting one another, visiting one another, encouraging one another. I'll talk about that a little bit when I'm done with the slides. But taking the time to go to the people in their homes and sitting down with them, just see how they're doing and pray with them. Uh, just be the shepherds uh, besides uh, on Sunday. Okay, now this gal here, uh, she was uh, worked in our home for about 10 years, from 1985 maybe to 95. And um, our kids, she helped raise our kids as well as take care of the house for us. And my daughter, Kimmy, I don't know if Kimmy, if you're on right now, she was hoping to get on the link and watch us. Um, she sent a big box of gifts to this gal here because she really appreciated Kaka uh, Kantung. And when Kantung saw the gifts from Kimmy, uh, she started to cry. Just felt, thank you. Thank you for Kimmy remembering me. And Kantung said hi to Kimmy in a video uh, that we shared with Kimmy. So Lois got to teach uh, Kantung again basically a Bible study method that Lois has been using. Uh, it's a five-step method, and she taught probably a dozen gals, a dozen ladies over there how to do this Bible study, and Kantung was one of the ones that she taught. And uh, Lois wanted to get a picture taken with uh, Kakak Kantung, and then she gave it to this picture along with some souvenirs from Indonesia to 
our kitchen staff at the homes, about 20 people there, staff. So Now this gal here, she's the one that made this beadwork on the machete. Her name is Anna. We've known her for about 30 years, and uh, she studied with Lois also, but uh, her and her husband, they're a real blessing, and um, anyway, we've known them for a, a number of years. Okay, we did meet with the youth group uh, two different times up there, about 25 kids, a uh, combination of three different, four different language groups up there, so they meet twice, uh, once every two weeks. So we took uh, one Sunday for about a half hour and just shared the word with them, so they appreciated that. Okay, this time was a birthday party, and the gal holding the cake on the right, she uh, turned 20, and this was her first year going to college out on the coast. So there was about maybe 25 of us there, and we had a birthday time with her and just encouraged her, so just having some involvement. Let me just say this about the college kids. They go out to town, and uh, one of the prayer requests that the parents had for us back in the tribe was, just give us wisdom how we can encourage our kids to walk with the Lord. Because they're living on their own. Uh, we encourage them to go to our, our church out there in town. But a lot of them get away from the Lord and uh, get involved in you know ungodly things. So um, we just try to encourage um, the parents. Keep touching bases with your folks. You'll see how they're doing. Uh, let them know you're praying with them or praying for them. Uh, but that's on their heart is how their college kids are doing. These guys are all... Uh, believers from our new tribes works over there and uh, they're all walking with the Lord. So praise the Lord. Okay. Now this was uh, the home that we stayed in when we were up in the tribe. We have a very nice mission home with about six bedrooms. And these two ladies here, the gal on the right, uh, she's a Chinese American. Her name is Lydia and she studied Indonesian for two years and she wants to go up into a new work. I, I think you guys have been praying for the Buket tribe. It's on the prayer list. She wants to join that team, and there's two families, and then another single gal. She'll be the second single lady. So she'll start uh, brand new in a second language, a totally different language in probably two to three years, studying that language before she can help uh, start teaching uh, the Bible. The gal on the left is a German girl, and uh, she's a homeschool school helper from, well, Germany, and she's helping a German family that's working with the Bouquet uh, team. And she goes in there for four years, or four years, four months, uh, just to help with the homeschooling while the parents are, are studying language and stuff. And they got three uh, young children that she helps with. And we get uh, quite a few folks that go over there and help out different ways, uh, homeschooling being one of them. Okay, this is some of the Bouquet team, the fellow in the baseball cap with his son, and then the tall girl on the right, uh, her name is Catherine Krieger. Um, they just got a load of supplies, they're going to throw it in this car, drive about an hour and 15 minutes, get on a boat, and go two hours upriver to the tribe. So it was just fun seeing these guys and catching up with them. Okay, if anybody needs a haircut, I can recommend a barber. Uh, price is real reasonable, um, but you just have to uh, just learn Indonesian. So anyway, uh, this gal, uh, she's cut our hair for about 20 years uh, over there, and she was glad to see us, and she did Lois, and then she did me. Okay, this was one of the families. Um, Okay, you see the two women over on the left uh, sitting on the floor. The one's got the big smile with the red uh, bandana on her head. Uh, Her dad, her mom and dad, back in 1978, I think it was, invited us New Tribes missionaries to go into their tribe. So that was John and Jerry Gornflow and Larry and Coral Wallace. But it was her mom and dad who have now gone to be with the Lord. 
uh, that invited us into the tribe. And that's her husband sitting in a blue shirt on the bench right next to me. And uh, very dear folks, we love these guys. And then her daughter sitting next to Lois and her husband sitting against the wall in the black T-shirt, they went through our New Types training in Indonesia, did the three-year program. Now they're back in uh, the tribe, and they're helping uh, just be involved in the church. Her husband is preaching in one of the tribal churches there. Uh, our farewell barbecue, hot dogs and hamburgers, and I believe we had chicken also. So anyway, that was fun. Okay, snack time. Two snacks here you got to remember. The one in the upper left in the round bowl with the white coconut things, they call that kolopon. And uh, I told them, guys, I'm going to be there in about six months. This was before we went over there. And I said, you got to make sure you have this kolopon ready for me when I get there. That's my main reason for coming to Indonesia. Well, of course, they knew I was kidding. But every place we went, I mean, we probably visited 12 different families in their homes and the churches. Everybody had this. And this is only a ceremonial thing, usually if it's a wedding or a funeral or something. But they said, well, you asked for it, so you got it. So I enjoyed the, the kolopon. And then to the right of that in the pink uh, thing is something called durian. It's a very unique fruit. And uh, you can smell it probably from here to the fellowship hall. It's got a strong uh, smell. And if you don't like it, you say, gross, what is that? What died? But when you get over the smell and you smell it, you say, wow, where is that coming from? And you're looking for it. You want to eat some of it. So they got some of that for me. And uh, hot bell peppers uh, down there. They eat those raw. Okay, everybody eats on the floor. Uh, a lot of them use uh, just their fingers. And um, so it was fun just catching up with them and eating. Uh, this family here, the husband and wife, uh, they asked us to come three times to spend some time with them on uh, marriage counseling uh, areas. So we spent time with them just to encourage them in their walk with the Lord and just getting along with each other, how to handle things when they come up. Uh, this gal here, uh, she's a nurse in town. We've known her maybe 20 years. She's from a different tribe up there, but she told us she wants to become a doctor. So it's neat to see her desire to be more involved in uh, health issues up there in the tribal areas. Uh, this family came and visited, and uh, they're from tribe way up river. Okay, I got a piece of this wood out in a car. You can't, this is called ironwood. Uh, they use these posts. I cut this in half. It's about two feet and a half feet long, but they use these posts to make their longhouses 15, 20 feet off the ground, and they build it on top of these posts. And seriously, this wood here is over 100 years old, and it's so dense, if you throw it in the water, it sinks. You can't, you can't nail it. Uh, you got to drill it, and that's why they call it ironwood. The stuff is amazing, but uh, it doesn't rot. It just keeps going and going. And one more thing about this, uh, when I was leaving Indonesia, uh, the Indonesian custom guys, they, they called me because I had checked in my bags and I was waiting up at the thing to get on the plane. And I heard my name on the loudspeaker, so I went back down there. And they said, we need to ask you about some stuff in your bags. And this is what they were asking me about. They said, what kind of wood is this? And, uh, well, I said, it's, it's ironwood from Indonesia. And they said, oh, that antique wood, because it's 100 years old. We don't know if we can let you take that home. This is antique. I said, it's a piece of wood. It's not, it's not an antique. It's just a piece of wood. So finally, after about 20 minutes, they let me take it home to the States. But uh, they gave me a hard time about that wood. I said, well, okay, look, how, how much do you want? Is, you know, is it something maybe? Because that's often what they're looking for is a little donation. They said, no, just go ahead and take it. 
Okay, this was our last time with the guys. They came just before we got on the plane and, and said goodbye. And uh, we look, uh, we just love those guys. But honestly, uh, I don't know if I'm going to go back. Maybe if our, our daughter wants to go with the kids when they get older, maybe. But I think this is the probably the, the last time we'll just spend time Facebook and WhatsApp with our friends back there. But thank you guys. Uh, for participating with us, you know, praying for us and helping us as we made this trip. And if any of you want to go and make that trip sometime, I'll give you directions on how to get there. And uh, cheap, cheapo air is what I use for plane tickets. <coughs> yeah, I guess we could. Okay, so um, just thinking of where's my other paper? <coughs> thinking about uh, encouraging one another. And uh, encouraging these guys, you know, halfway around the world, we still are involved with them uh, often every day on Facebook. A lot of them have Facebook and stuff like that, so we can interact with them. And some of them post verses quite often for their friends to see and stuff. But uh, one thing was a disappointment. Uh, For the three weeks we were in the tribe, uh, only two families came to see us at the place where we were staying. Uh, In the old days, we were the celebrities, and everybody would come and say, wow, really great that you're here, good to see you, and it be uh, quite a line of people coming to visit us, only two families. Uh, We would go see them at night and visit with them in their homes, and they were glad to have us come. But you know what the problem was? Uh, The cash crop thing. Everybody is into making money. There's three ways that they do it. One is the, uh, the leaves that we saw, the bird nests that we saw, and then the other one, um, what was, oh, uh, a red goldfish. It's about this long. It's got huge scales. And one fish, uh, these guys are buying this, these things and hatching them for the fishlings and then selling them. Uh, you're looking at about $1,000 for a huge goldfish. Said, you are kidding me. Again, the Chinese. I don't know where the Chinese come up with these ideas, but. Okay, so the problem is uh, they got to buy, get the money to buy this stuff, and uh, you know, get the money to put send their kids out to school and stuff. And I'm afraid uh, Matthew twenty four twelve is starting to set in on them. It says, "In the last days, sin's going to get worse and worse, and the love of many is going to grow cold." So uh, I keep challenging us here, you know, to encourage one another in the things of the Lord. See how each other is doing, you know, give each other a high five and let you know we appreciate them. Um, but we need to encourage our believers overseas, too. I know you guys support probably a dozen different missionaries and stuff. We'll let them know that you're praying for them, send them notes, and maybe even send notes to give to the tribal people. And I, I got to thinking about, you know, encouraging. Um, I, I don't know how practical it would be, but I, I thought we could set up WhatsApp. And so while I'm sharing with you guys here, I could have them on the WhatsApp and do a video thing. We could chat back and forth for a couple of minutes. You could hear them. Lois could translate and just give you the the idea that, hey, you know what? We're a body all around the world. We're all worshiping the Lord. We can interact. And that's what Paul did in his letters. He wrote to a number of individuals, a number of churches, and let them know that he appreciated them and, you know, of course, gave them teaching and stuff. But a lot of it was just to let them know that he loved them praying for him. He appreciated. Okay, so anyway, uh, okay, a couple of things. Let's just go on to the my devotion uh, thoughts here. All right, thinking of Paul and encouraging the churches and um, how we can maybe uh, 
tune in on some of the things that he was doing to encourage folks. Uh, one, like I said, he wrote letters. Of course, it was letters to individuals and letters to churches. But it was his heart, the Lord reaching out to these different people, uh, letting uh, them know that he appreciated them and the Lord appreciated them. So Paul wrote letters. And honestly, guys, I'd like to see us um, somehow let our missionaries know that are overseas, you know, working in the different areas and stuff and maybe write to the different churches that they're working with. Uh, send them notes from time to time and let them know. Just that's what Paul did. To send them notes and the missionaries could read the notes to the churches over there. Okay, so another thing Paul did was in his letters, he let them know how much he missed them. Often he went to visit them in person, but when he was away from them, he had a real heart to know how they were doing, and he wanted to try to get uh, to see them again, or he would send other people to them. But he really appreciated them, and he let them know that, hey, guys, I miss you. I appreciate you. Philippians 1a says, God is my witness how I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And he mentions that over and over in a number of places, how much he missed them. Okay, I mentioned he prayed for them uh, in four different places in the epistles. This was in Ephesians 1.16. He said, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. He said the same thing in Philemon, Colossians, and Philippians. So just praying for these guys and letting them know that he's praying. And that's one thing I think we can do here in our fellowship here is say, hey, Wayne, you know, I was thinking about you, and I know you're going to be speaking uh, this next week. I'm praying for you, bro. I just pray that God will give you the ideas of things to share and stuff. Junior, I'm praying for you. You know, I know it's not easy. Uh, you're going through a lot of difficult times, but I'm praying for you. I appreciate you. appreciate you giving me a high five when I see you, and you just acknowledge me. But anyway... Let folks know that we're praying for one another. And this fella, Alan, right? Your name's Alan? Yeah. We'll be praying for you as you move on to your next phase in life or ministry or whatever. But let people know that, hey, I'm praying for you, just like Paul did. Okay, but the part I like best uh, that Paul did was he encouraged people. He would encourage people in different ways, different verses. Uh, let them know that he loved them and he wanted them to be all that they could uh, for the Lord. I want to look in Philippians 2, uh, verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. It says this, If there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassion. I think they ought to change that from if to since. Since there is exhortation, since there is consolation, since there is fellowship, since there is tender mercies, make full my joy that you may be of the same mind, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Do nothing through faction or through vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, each counting others better than himself. Look not, look, not looking each of you to his own things, but each of you also to the things of others. So I think uh, in thinking of encouragement, Paul would just let them know, guys, whatever I can do, you know, either spiritually or even physically, if I can come and be a help to you somehow, I'm ready. Whatever it takes, I want to be what the Lord wants me to be in your life. And so Paul's encouraged them to have the same thing, the same care one for another, but each of you thinking about the things of others. So just Paul's uh, encouraging them to be in, involved in body function, body ministry personal ministry. 
Then I mentioned that he did send people, Timothy and some others also, to go where he couldn't go for one reason or another, but he wanted to do all he could to uh, be an encouragement and help the churches to grow. Okay, so I want to go back to the idea of uh, how can we encourage one another. And I want to think about the area of writing notes. How can we write notes? Uh, As I was thinking about this, I came uh, across these thoughts somebody shared about. Okay, I pray for people in my church, but you know what? I've just gotten into writing notes to those people too, letting them know that I'm thinking about them. This is what he said. By writing a personal note of encouragement to a church member and praying for them on that day, I'm motivated to be an example of the apostles in their New Testament letters. These men not only prayed for God's people, but also told them told them so through encouraging words, through their notes. And I thought, okay, so how can we write notes and be an encouragement to each other? One, let folks know that you thank God for them and their fellowship in the gospel. Let them know that I'm thankful for Paul and Rebecca and all that they're doing, him and uh, all the things he's involved in and stuff. But anyway, let folks know. Appreciate you. Appreciate what you're doing. Number two. Identify one or two traits that give evidence of God's grace in their lives. This goes along with what Dave was talking about yesterday in our, in our men's meeting. Uh, just body function and uh, elders trying to help others to grow. It's not the elders' responsibility to run the church, but all of us have the responsibility to help the church to be all that it can. But identifying traits, uh, this fella said, I say uh, identifying spiritual gifts. You know, we can see each other. Uh, we can see in Junior, he loves to get up and just remind us of God's faithfulness, praising God, worshiping God, gift of exhortation, and just sharing God's word. Do that with each other. Say, hey, I appreciate your teaching. Or, hey, I appreciate your willingness to you know, just do what needs to be done physically around here and things like that. Uh, just letting people know, and our younger folks especially, uh, Jonathan and some of the others, what are their gifts? How can we encourage them in their spiritual gifts? So point that out to folks and let them know you appreciate their spiritual gifts. Okay, number three, uh, share a biblical truth or promise that speaks to their present situation. Um, what happened? We were, Lois and I were going through something. I can't remember what it was, but different people sent notes. They were praying for you and stuff. Anyway, just sharing verses or whatever to let people with you and praying for you. Send them a note. Okay, and then let them know how they contribute to the overall health and growth of the church. So we appreciate them. Let them know, hey, you're a blessing. We appreciate you. And just encourage folks in any way that you can. That was Paul's heart uh, also. Okay, in closing, how many of you know uh, Romans 16? Um, The last chapter in Romans, what's the main thing that sticks out to you there in that chapter? People, 34 people. Paul mentioned 34 people in that last chapter saying, hey, Phoebe was a blessing to me. Help her out in any way you can. And then mentions 34 people and the ministries they had in his life and uh, different things they did for him and for the different churches and stuff. He mentions them by person. That's the only time you see him. He does mention a few other people from time to time, but there's a huge list of people that he wanted to encourage and be a help to in any way possible. So as we think about encouraging people, let's be like Paul and get alongside of folks, let them know. Okay, I want to read these last, uh, Romans 16, 1 through 6, and I'll finish there. Just to give you an idea of Paul's mentioning these people. Verse 1, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, 
who is a servant of the church that is at uh, Caesarea, that you receive her in the Lord worthily of the saints and that you assist her in whatsoever matter she may have need of you. So encourage this sister uh, Phoebe in any way that you can. For she herself also hath been a helper of many and of mine own self. Verse 3, salute uh, Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles, and salute the church that is in their house. Salute Epinatus, my beloved, who is uh, the firstfruits of Asia unto Christ. Salute Mary, who bestowed much labor on you. So anyway, as Paul goes through uh, Romans 16, he mentions all these different people and the blessing that they were and the spiritual input that they had in different ways uh, in this church in Rome and these other churches and stuff. So just again, I think for all of us, uh, when's the last time you encouraged somebody in our group here? How did you encourage them? Is there more that we can do to encourage one another and even encourage some of these tribal people overseas through the different ministries and missionaries that you're involved with here? How can we help be involved maybe in some of these churches? Okay, let's go ahead and close them. Lord, we do thank you again for showing us uh, what you're doing around the world. Thank you for what you've done and are doing amongst the Taman people and how you are using them to reach out to the unbelievers that are still in this large language group. Pray that uh, their testimony would draw many more Taman folks to yourself. Pray for the bouquet work as they uh, are finishing up language study and starting to translate the chronological lessons. Help them as they continue to get ready to teach uh, your word and that many of the Bouquet people would want to hear what they have to share. So just draw people to uh, the ministry there. And we look forward to the day when we'll have Bouquet people uh, standing around the throne worshiping you and saying, worthy are you, receive all honor. So we do thank you. Um, to help us as a group, Lake Cal Bible, to be an encouragement to one another, to be uh, in every way, uh, just help each other to grow, use our spiritual gifts, and um, just be all that we can for you. And help us as a church also to continue to get the word out through missionaries, through our giving, just seeing the world reach through our chapel here. So thank you, Lord. We just pray all these things now in Jesus. Bye, Kim.